Welcome to Brazilian Politics, the podcast where three political analysts talk about all things Brazilian politics. This week, we will discuss Bolsonaro's first week in Brasilia and the latest confirmed appointments to his cabinet. Welcome to Brazilian Politics. I'm Michael Lopez. I'm joined by my colleagues, Lucas and Thiago Aragão. How are you guys doing today? Hello, all. Great to be here. Hello, everyone. All right. So we have just closed out the first week of Bolsonaro as president-elect uh, in Brasilia. He traveled to Brasilia last week on the day of the 30th anniversary of Brazil's federal constitution. Uh, he attended a commemoration in Congress and held meetings with his transition team. Um, I'd like to just start uh, with an open-ended question. How, how are you guys seeing this uh, first uh, few interactions of Bolsonaro's transition team with the Temer administration and uh, the relationship with Congress as well? Hi, Michael. This is Lucas. I think that there are many different signals and paradoxical signals in this beginning of Bolsonaro administration. I think that one uh, item that we can praise heavily is the very smooth or will be very smooth transition from Temer to Bolsonaro. President Temer has made it very clear that he will make everything possible to make the transition as smooth as possible, giving uh, Bolsonaro not only the tools, but the data and the, and the personnel and everything else, including, for instance, uh, appointing ministers and, and, and helping him already shift the priorities for his cabinet. I think this is very, very healthy for, for our democracy, especially when we've had such turbulent recent uh, uh, transitions in our history. I think another point which was praised in Brasilia was the fact that Bolsonaro did go to the Congress and, and spoke to several congressmen. However, a lot of criticism in Brasilia saying that the transition team of Bolsonaro is very uh, poor in terms of uh, knowledge of how Brasilia works, of how the public machinery works, and uh, uh, criticism on how poorly they are engaging in order to advance agendas in the legislative and in, and, and in other parts of the public administration. Um, hello, Michael. Hello, Lucas. A pleasure to be with you guys. And yes, we are seeing a transition being smoothly delivered by President Temer, but not necessarily smoothly received by President-elect Bolsonaro. Some of his narrative uh, is still more similar to the narrative of a candidate than the narrative of a president. Uh, his team, as you, you well said, Luca, is still lacking adaptation to Brasilia and to how Brasilia functions and works. Uh, and we are seeing also several speculations about the appointment of new names. The first thing that Bolsonaro has to do, not, not only from now uh, on, but in a continuous way, is to work a lot in his communications team. While during the campaign, his communications team was very... Uh, inexistent and was based on how they were feeling and, and in this openness in talk with the social media, uh, through the social media to his voters, right now he, they need to organize this better because a lot of the criticism coming is that there are open arguments between members of the team that could be avoided with a more organized communication strategy within the team. 
So we are still seeing not only Bolsonaro, but his entire team learning what is to be government, learning how is to behave in Brasilia. And we hope that Brasilia and its political world accepts well and help these individuals to perform the best that they can. Thank you both for those answers. I, I'd like to focus on one uh, specific aspect of of sort of these challenges that the Bolsonaro transition team has faced in Brasilia. And uh, I think it, it can be attributed to not only the fact that uh, a lot of the members of Bolsonaro's transition team are newcomers uh, to Brasilia and to the traditional political system as a whole, but um, also to to the fact that it seems that they may be understaffed in some key areas. Um, Onyx Lorenzoni uh, has been appointed and confirmed as the chief of staff for the Bolsonaro administration. He's also taking a leadership role in the government transition. But it seems that there is a vacuum in terms of uh, political coordination with this Congress. Uh, Bolsonaro's team talking to this Congress about bills that are currently awaiting votes in both the lower house and the Senate. We saw uh, Rodrigo Maia uh, go to the press to complain that he hasn't really had uh, a lot of interaction with Bolsonaro's administration. And the president of the Senate, Eunice Oliveira, gave a, a very harsh uh, interview um, to newspapers uh, at the end of last week about uh, the, the Senate's approval of the pay raise for uh, Supreme Court justices of the federal Supreme Court. So my question is, is there, is communication with Congress poor because uh, this is just the beginning and they're getting situated, or do they need to reinforce the political coordination team for the Bolsonaro administration to better communicate with this Congress? Michael, definitely the, the team that deals with the Congress has to be improved and has to to. Uh, learn that this relationship with Congress is intrinsically hard. No government has an easy, smooth negotiation with the Congress in anything. But the key thing, key aspect is that is to understand the dynamics of the Congress. If an administration relies 100% on the merit of the topics or the merits of what they're proposing the Congress to deal with, and that only by this, by the merit itself, uh, a specific bill or a specific idea should be approved, they are not going to succeed because that's not how the logic works, not only in the Brazilian Congress, but in no Congress in the world. So definitely there needs to be an improvement in this point. Second, it's natural that right now this uh, Congress is giving a hard time for the newly elected government because a lot of the members of this new Congress won't be there starting next year. So this transition is still going to happen in the Congress side. And once this happens, I believe that we will have a period, a moment of honeymoon between the, the executive and the, the Congress but the, the duration of this honeymoon is what is, is the big question mark, because we don't know the mechanisms that the executive will have to share with the Congress or to use with the Congress for the negotiations that do not necessarily rely on merit. Thiago, you, you bring up an interesting point, the fact that several, uh, a large portion of the parliamentarians that were uh, not reelected will obviously not be returning to work with Bolsonaro in the next legislature. 
given that, how does this affect the vote on pension reform or any of the priority agendas that Bolsonaro's camp has made known that they would like to see approved by the end of this year? Mike, it's obvious that the Bolsonaro administration, if they had the the opportunity to to approve a pension reform or other uh, very important items in the current agenda, for instance, the formal autonomy of the central bank, uh, they would push for it as they have uh, pushed for it in a more discreet manner. The thing is, there's no motivation in the Congress for Bolsonaro to, to be the leader of these negotiations. We had a plus 50 renovation rate in the Congress, so half of this Congress is leaving. Therefore, uh, they are in no point or motivation to vote unless they truly, truly believe in their hearts that this is the best for Brazil. And the other 50% who are staying, which much rather negotiate next year with the standing president in order to get something out of it than just hand it out for free at this point. Also, Bolsonaro, he doesn't have the tools now to negotiate. He only has the tools of the promises and the tools of the future, but not the tools of the, of the present, of the day-to-day. I don't think that today the negotiation um, um, mechanism of Bolsonaro is something to be worried about because I think that this is normal in any transition government. It's especially normal given that this is a government of rupture that promises to rupture with all the pork barreling that Brazil has been completely uh, inebriated and addicted uh, in the recent governmental governments. Uh, but at the same time, the government will have to step up its game when, when it comes January, February, especially because February, you already have a very important battle, which is the presidency of the House and the presidency of the Senate, which are responsible for defining the agendas of both houses, the voting agenda of both houses. So Bolsonaro will have to learn quickly, uh, but it's, it's something that I believe that with the power in his hands, he will have a, a quick learning curve once the government actually begins. And moving on to the discussion about the elections for the presidents of the lower house and the Senate, we know that this week uh, in Bolsonaro's second week traveling to Brasilia, he had a meeting scheduled with both the president of the Senate, Eunice Oliveira, and the president of the lower house, Rodrigo Maia. This, uh, these two meetings were canceled uh, abruptly. Uh, is there something that we should read into this? Well, Michael, there are several things that we can read into this. But one of the first things is that for, in, in Eunicio's case, Eunicio is not someone who is returning to Congress to Senate next year. So he has a different political motivation right now. His motivation is to approve the bills that he um, decided or that he agreed to move forward during this year. One of these bills is the PLC 79 that deals directly with the change in the telecommunications environment. And after that, he's going to reorganize his political persona, whether he's going to be opposition, whether he's going to focus more on his state. So he has a different agenda that is much more independent than anyone else. When we look at Rodrigo Maia, Rodrigo Maia is still in the middle of a negotiation of what will be his role in the next administration, whether he will be supported by the next administration to be the, the Speaker of the House again, or whether he's going to have a position, a cabinet position. So this could be interpreted as a sign that perhaps these negotiations or these talks are not going the direction that he wants. 
But of course, there's always the possibility that sometimes the the the, hap- the, the fact that a meeting doesn't happen maybe simply because it just didn't work out logistically. So we have to put all the options on the table and not necessarily assume that it's an indicative of how hard things will be. And it's uh, it's interesting also that uh, despite the fact that both of these meetings were canceled, Bolsonaro did uh, confirm that he met with a uh, federal representative that is planning on running for president of the lower house. Uh, so my transition into the next question is, uh, Bolsonaro's team has been uh, confirming the appointed members of Bolsonaro's cabinet. Now, traditionally in Brazilian politics, these appointments are used to garner support from political parties. Um, and so looking at the current appointees to Bolsonaro's cabinet, is Bolsonaro making inroads in building and maintaining a coalition ahead of next year? And if so, or if not, how is the Bolsonaro administration dealing with these political negotiations for the presidencies of the Houses of Congress? Michael, given the beginning of how this uh, cabinet is being built, one thing is for sure, Bolsonaro is not using the regular uh, strategy that has been used by recent presidents. Brazil is a coalition presidency, meaning that coalitions are built around a party, coalitions of several parties in order to give majority in the House, a very fragmented Congress. The, 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 the tool that has been used to convince these parties to support the ruling party of the president uh, normally are positions in the executive branch, including appointments for ministries, for secretaries, for departments, for uh, state-owned companies. Of course, it's still very soon to say that Bolsonaro will not do this at any level. But in the first level, this has not been the case. He hasn't appointed any ministers right now from, from parties that are not either his or independent or from the DANE, the Democratic Party, which very early on, adopted a line, a group, a segment of the day has supported Bolsonaro, led by uh, future chief of staff Onyx Lorenzoni. The thing is, Dilma Rousseff had 37 ministers divided among all parties of the coalition base, the alliance, and she was still impeached. It doesn't mean that by not giving out first-level positions, the, the ministries, to the coalition base, Bolsonaro will have a tough time. There are other ways to do this through the caucuses, through the tier two, tier three, tier four, the local level positions, the state-owned companies, and in other ways and shapes as well, including access to the budget, including the support from governors, uh, including the, the, the influential uh, power to have your agenda in the top level priority if you're able to convince the government to support your agenda. So I think it's early to say if Bolsonaro will have success in the governability, I do think there's a way, but he's definitely taking another route in comparison to, to, for, to, to former presidents. Thank you, Lucas. Now, uh, moving on to the specific appointments, one of the most high-profile appointments that have been confirmed for Bolsonaro's uh, cabinet for next year is the new Super Minister of Justice. This is a federal judge, Sergio Moro, uh, who was uh, in charge of the uh, car wash 
operations uh, in investigations as a as a federal judge, and obviously he has a huge amount of popular support. He is seen as a as a savior that that took Brazil out of this corrupt swamp of quid pro quo politics. So my question is: Does this appointment of Sergio Moro give Bolsonaro political capital? And will this political capital be sufficient in the absence of these uh, more partisan appointments that uh, traditionally happen in Brazilian politics? Well, Michael, for the first question, I would say definitely. Definitely gives Bolsonaro political capital. Second, if it's enough to prevent future problems, this only time will tell. What we can see is that appointing Moro was something of uh, a touchdown from uh, Bolsonaro, because as he had done with the appointment of Guedes, Guedes made Bolsonaro's candidacy become viable within certain influential groups of Brazil, particularly within the financial market. When we look at the appointment of Moro for Minister of Justice, uh, Bolsonaro is enhancing his capability and the bridge that relates himself and all the millions of the Brazilians who saw the car wash operation not only as necessary, but as a success and as a political revolution in the country. So the appointment of Moro for Bolsonaro is a huge victory because he can literally talk, at least in this particular example that he's choosing, the best that he can choose for a specific position. For Moro, this is a, a big question mark. It definitely could be something good if he performs a very good job. The difference is that uh, the boundaries of political limits are much more complicated than the boundaries of judicial limits. Although the law is very clear and it's very makes him know very well where he can step and where he can't, the political world is a huge gray zone. So for Moro to be able to, to perform a very good work on that, he will have to have the support of other individuals. More than that, since the population is not 100% aware of the limitations of a Minister of Justice, if they expect that Moro delivers the same sort of revolution in terms of security that he did in terms of Lava Jato, um, they, they can be disappointed because the position itself might not allow Moro to perform 100% of what he wishes to do. So it's yet to be seen, but definitely it was a very, very good appointment of Bolsonaro that gives him more political strength and more social legitimacy. Thank you, Thiago. That's very well put. I'd also like to thank Lucas for your contributions and thank the listener for tuning in. Please tune in next week for more on Brazilian politics. Thank you. Mm -hmm.